What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dissect That Film, where we dissect your favorite films, film franchises, and TV. Today, on episode 45 of the Dissect That Film podcast, we are talking about the sequel to the 89 Batman, Batman Returns. I am your host, Brett Parker. Joining me, as always, is the wonderful DNA gaming consisting of Dan and Angela. And joining us as our special guest to talk about this wonderful movie is the wonderful man himself, Justin from Epic Film Guys. You're okay. Woo! Welcome in, sir. Welcome. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And of course, I'll take any opportunity to talk about this movie with pretty much anyone. So thanks for having me on. We're pretty much anyone. Yeah. Yeah, we are. It's crazy. (laughs) So Batman Returns. I was I was too young to see this movie in theaters. I was only a year old. Actually, I wasn't even a year old when this movie came out. So I'm the I'm the young one. Um, But I know you have Justin. you definitely have memories of of this movie when it came out. DNA, did you what about you? What was your like first interaction with this movie i'm trying to remember when i first watched it i was i was little uh not like i was four when it came out so not that little but i do remember watching it with my brother and sister-in-law they own they owned it on vhs (laughs) when everything was vhs yes so i I do remember that but i don't remember how old i was i remember the cups like I mentioned last episode from like McDonald's or Burger King, whoever had cups for it. I don't remember. I remember that. And I remember the advertisements, but I, I've never seen this movie before. So. Oh, really? This is your first yeah, time? Oh, that's this my that's first time? fucking insane. <laughs> never watched it. It's so weird, though, because Woo! he usually watches movies that I don't. Mm-hmm. But like something this scale, it's weird that I've watched it and he didn't because I don't. I was not allowed to watch certain things growing up, so it, it's just odd that I have seen this and you haven't. That's true. That's a true fact. I can't argue with that. He's also never seen Forever, which will be interesting when we talk about that next week. See, I've seen that one too. <laughs> Mike's, uh, when we get there, I have a rant about that. It's Batman Forever <laughs> for the Super Nintendo. It's like, oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> Justin, tell us your history with Batman Returns. Yeah, it's uh, a pretty vast history, actually. I was an elementary school student when this movie came out and I had already come to the conclusion that Tim Burton's Batman was my favorite movie. I had seen an opening night at the age of five years old. So it was like my entryway into cinema, you know, during the 80s, people had star Wars, Deanna Jones for me, it was Tim Burton's Batman. So I was highly anticipating it. Every single magazine, newspaper ad entertainment tonight segment I watched So when I was there opening night, I remember exactly where I was. My dad went with me. It was the Owego Theater. Um, It was a very old historic theater. And I'll never forget, like, within the first five minutes of the movie opening, um, as soon as Pee Wee fucking Herman throws the penguin (laughs) into the the sewers, and he's like, I'm like, oh, my God, I got scared. And I told my dad, I remember grabbing his arm, I'm like, I'm scared. And he literally turned to me, and he's like, you haven't shut up about this movie for the past year. Sit down. (laughs) And after that ended, I was like, just so blown away by it. And that was my favorite movie of that year. So, um, and I I still, to this day, hold it up so very high in regards to Batman movies and my personal favorite movies 
and I still collect like pretty much everything you possibly can for the movie. Um, you know, those, those McDonald's cups, I have all of them. I actually have like all of the fry holders never used. I have the McDonald's bag. I have literally every nice. stupid thing associated with that movie. So yeah, I, I guess I'm the right person to come on to talk about this. That is that is die hard, and I love it. <laughs> My history with Batman Returns, of course, was way later. You know, I, I think I was probably five or six when I first saw this movie. So it was like 98. Uh, I watched on VHS at my grandmother's house as I, you know, as I did with most movies. You know, mo- you know, most of my favorite movies came out before I was born or, you know, when I was really young where I couldn't go see it in theaters. But I love this movie. The Bur- Like Tim Burton. T- Tim Burton took something that was very simplistic when it came to certain comic book characters, especially the penguin and just turned it on its head. Like to be able to just be like, yeah, instead of it just being a gangster, just a, you're, you know, just more a very eccentric gangster. We're literally going to make him a penguin. Like he is a penguin man. And I thought that was great. You know, the, the cast is fantastic. Being able to bring back Michael Keaton, who is one of my favorite Batmans. Oh, this movie just feels so good. And it takes place during Christmas. You know, what's, what's, <laughs> What's better than to have a movie take a Batman movie take place during Christmas time? Yeah, Tim Burton has like a very strange fascination with Christmas and integrating very horrific elements into Christmas, as we know, no. in quite a few of his movies. <laughs> Not he him. loves Christmas. Yes, he does. <laughs> he definitely does. Is this, so this movie was technically released June 19th, 1992, exactly two or exactly three years after the release of. Uh, Batman 89 it budgeted around 65 to 80 million dollars and it made 266.89 million dollars uh, worldwide which I believe was like a little under like 150 million dollars less than the F- Batman 89 but I mean it was still a success especially for 1992 and I think it was the highest grossing film of the 90s until Jurassic Park destroyed it the year after <laughs> so it made a lot of money. People love Batman. So people were going to come out and see it. And I th- it just it just feels so good. It just it, it it for being a movie that is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. It still to me holds up. There's there's some things that may, you know, feel, you know, out of place or out of date. But boy, does it just I love the practical effects just the the way like yes it 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 does seem like it's on a stage you can definitely tell everything is on a stage or a sound you know a sound stage it's not you know what you see in movies nowadays with um it being like on locations or whatever but it just feels so special it's just a special movie it feels very handmade and hands-on everything looks like it's part of one single unique vision and that's why one of the most important things about this movie to me and one of the most special things about it is you can tell it's one artist's vision for what this world and who these characters are supposed to be uh and you know they completely shifted the look of everything from being like a neo-futuristic art deco of the 89 that anton first did and bo welch came in here and created this overly expressionist you know almost overly on over the top gothic look to gotham it just looks like something out of a a, a, a fairy tale and this movie in essence is really just a cinematic fairy tale i agree 
very much. So, Dan and Angela, and Dan mostly, since this is your first go round uh, with this movie, what was what were your thoughts after watching this? And and listen, even though we're all fans of this movie, you, you know how the show works. Of course, we'll, I wouldn't pull we'll punches. Light, light it on fire, man. <laughs> um, of course, I grew up watching or watching the original a bit. You know, eighty nine Batman and all that fun stuff. But uh, I, I like this movie. I like um, some of the interpretations for some of the characters, like, um, uh, you know, Penguin's origin of being essentially discarded and a sideshow freak and whatever, and like a lot of Killer Croc vibes from him, which I thought was an interesting choice for the character. Of course, my I prefer him to be a gangster in these films, like, a, you know, a mafioso or a gentleman club owner. Like, that's the Penguin that I like. But I like it. I think Danny DeVito just just went like balls deep in this role and just stuck to it. And he did an amazing job with like just everything down to like when he gets mad, and, like the black fluid starts coming out of his mouth and stuff. He starts talking about the weird ass noises he was making the whole time. He was dedicated to this role. I thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, Catwoman was good. Uh, I like the movie. I like the movie. Uh, I, I don't like it as much as the original. Uh, and again, this maybe because I, if, if I watched it when I was younger, I may enjoy it more, but I just, it didn't hold up in my opinion as well as the original, but I thought it was an enjoyable film. I thought Batman was one of the weakest character elements in the movie. Angela, what? How? How was it watching it again? When was the last time you watched this before recently? It's been a long time. I mean, he's never watched it, and we've been together for fifteen years, so it's been longer wow. than fifteen years. <laughs> yeah. Damn. So, <laughs> it's it's been a little bit, uh, but seeing it again, it, you know, it brings back what I remember about the movie. I liked it. I enjoy it. I love Tim Burton. I mean, I have tattoos. I have all the Nightmare Before Christmas stuff back there. So I love him as a writer. You know, I love all all of his stuff pretty much. So, I mean. I'm just making a noise. I'm sorry. <laughs> Carry on. I'm sorry. Stop it. When you get finished, I do have something to say, but to build off what you just said. When you get finished. But yeah, enjoyed it all over again. It's like I saw it for the first time all over again. But no, very good. Very good. I uh, A couple things to follow up for, because I know Justin doesn't know, but the audience says, I am not a Tim Burton fan. I actually don't like a lot of his movies. And I, again, one thing I'll point out is I think it's a little bit better in this movie, but a lot of the fight choreography is not very good in this film. I actually could come out and say, even though I love this movie, I don't disagree with you at all whatsoever. Um, Burton's not known for action sequences in terms of fights yeah uh yeah. even with, with 89 he actually didn't really want batman to fight that much so that's the, the one point in my life where I, i'm thankful that the you know the massive asshole that is john peters actually exists because had it not be for him batman might not even have beat up that many bad guys in that movie even though he <laughs> produced this one he wasn't on set Ever. like that was part of Burton's deal like he can produce it I don't want him sitting in a chair next to me wow, um, so okay. that I think I think that maybe it's not even the way the choreography looks but to me it's the way some of the fighting is shot it just lacks a certain punch and energy to it for me at least especially when you compare it to other action movies of 1992 where yep. you got you know people getting beat up it, it was a lot more stylized yeah yeah I told you, Dan, Batman fight scenes don't really get like very good until even I even told you, even like the Dark Knight trilogy, the fights are not great. 
I told you the well, best Batman fight scene is from Batman v Superman. In my opinion, as much as people hate that movie, the best Batman fight scene is from that movie. That's just how they pretty made. sure. Yeah, <laughs> everyone can agree with that. I think that the, the, the majority of Batman fans are on the same page with you with that one. We've never seen it. Yeah, I've never watched. Do Batman we add it? Do we add it? I think we I think we're going to have to. We're going to have to add no, it to please, our don't. Batman reviews. <laughs> no. Well, I think the worst part of it is, is there are some fight scenes in the movie that aren't that bad. But I think the worst thing is, is whenever, no offense to him, because I love the guy, but Michael Keaton, whenever he's on this thing, on the screen doing Batman, it's like everything he does tries to look effortless. But then I think it's down to how his costume design, it just comes off as like he's lazy with how he's fighting. And I'm just like, yeah. Okay. It's definitely like the way the yeah, suit was. Yeah, this time around, was... too, they 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 tried. David Lee is stunt guy who did most of the fighting in the first movie. Really worked with harder to get him to do more of the fight stuff himself. A lot of the close-ups on mm-hmm. um, the Red Triangle Circus gang fight on the street. That was most mostly Keaton did that himself. So that's, that's probably cool. why it looks a little different because Keaton didn't do really any of the fighting in 89. It was done a lot more in shadow. So you couldn't yeah. really tell that much. True. I mean, watch the shit in 4k ultra HD. Now and you're like, that's not Keaton. You can yeah. see it's not too much here. They just, yeah, I think right? he's a little bit more stilted and, 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 and not as fluid in terms of movement and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. So. Of course. So I, I have some, some trivia here. Um, Burgess Meredith, who played the Penguin during the 60s show and the movie, of course, he was slated to play uh, the Penguin's dad. Which was then, you know, Pee Wee Herman's uh, actor. What the hell is his name? Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Yeah. So he the Burgess Meredith was supposed to play his dad, but unfortunately he got ill before they were going to shoot the scene. So they had to uh, they got Paul Rubens. And then I believe I can't remember what the actress's name is, but she was also from Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure That's right. as well, yeah. which was directed by Tim Burton. I don't know if we talked about that last week, but that was Tim Burton's first theatrical film. I don't Pee-wee's know if we talked Big about Adventure. it on screen, but yeah, we mentioned yeah. it before in the past. So it was a nice reunion for those two. Right. Uh, Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito were actually really good friends. And when so DeVito was approached like a year prior uh, to be, be the Penguin. And, you know, it took him a while. He was on the fence about it. And then Jack Nicholson's like, you can make a lot of money. You see how much money I made doing a Batman movie? (laughs) Sixty million (laughs) dollars. You might. He didn't make make that much. But I think that was, you know, money's always the uh, there's a lot of when it comes to actors taking roles like, man, that guy has a lot of passion doing that role. And a lot of actors do have a lot of passion doing the roles they're in. But money is a huge factor. Michael Keaton stated in an interview in 2017 that he took he did batman returns because of the pay the pay boost like he that's the only that's one of the the reasons he came back even though there was pretty sure he got 15 million i think 15 million if i'm correct maybe i'm he, wrong i but think it was like 11 i know to compared 15, to what yeah, he was got, something like that in 89 i actually have a copy of his contract for that movie he made under five hundred thousand dollars for 1989's <laughs> batman Wow! And I guess Jack, in terms of like just being paid for an actor, yeah. and Jack Nicholson made sixty million dollars <laughs> in nineteen eighty nine. Insanity! He literally didn't have to act for the rest of his life. It's like I'm done. Good, yeah. I'm good guys. Yeah. Uh, so Michelle Pfeiffer, which I did not know this, she is married to David E. Kelly, who wrote Lake Placid, which we've done on the show before. She's and he wrote like Ally McBeal and a bunch of other. 
uh, mm. shows from the 90s and early 2000s. I just thought the, the thing that was funny is that Michelle Pfeiffer is married to David E. Kelly, who wrote Lake Placid, which stars Bridget Fonda, who is married to Danny Elfman. Where is Bridget Fonda, Danny? Where know, is she? Right? She just disappeared. We need to do a hashtag. Where's Bridget? <laughs> there you go. We need to start we'll it up it on happen. Twitter. I just thought that was a funny connection that I had to write down. Oh, my God. So t- when Tim, uh, Tim, Tim Burton was trying to find this like villainous character other than the penguin, of course, and Catwoman, she's kind of the antihero. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, you got to have that bad guy. And that's when they had Max Shrek, who is not a character from the comics. He was created specifically for this movie. Well, Christopher Walken was actually a top choice to play him. But Burton, he didn't want to approach him because he was terrified of him. He was scared. <laughs> he was definitely afraid of him. <laughs> which, which is don't, funny. Don't blame him. So he cast him in Sleepy Hollow. Spoiler yep. alert to anyone who hasn't seen a movie that's from 1999 Christopher Walken plays the the headless horseman when he gets his head back and he looks exactly the same as he does in Batman Returns he is Max Shrek <laughs> as the headless horseman <laughs> except for he, he had some pretty rad fangs yes, he's got to he add did. some rad fangs in there he was sharp in his teeth. black streaks in his hair yeah, yeah but uh and he has no lines in that movie nope. no lines he, he growls he, he just growls grimaces and growls yeah yep. But it, but Max Shrek was actually based on his villain role in the Bond movie. Oh God, what the hell is it called? A View to Kill. Mm. Yeah, one of the Dalton ones, right? Yes. Yeah. Sure. I completely <laughs> forgot Christopher Walken played a vil- played one of like the villains from a Bond movie. <laughs> one of those things you just kind of figure out when you're doing research. Uh, Max Shrek was also uh, he was na- the character was named after the actor who played. Uh, the main character from Nosferatu from 1922. Yeah. 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 The things you find out. I love it. Good poll. Good poll. This movie was up for two Oscars. Uh, best visual effects and makeup. Stan Winston, of course, was part of part of that. He's the one who uh, a lot of the penguin animatronics and all that was all Stan Winston in his studio. Uh, but there was also, of course, if you watch the movie, there are real penguins in the movie. And there was a lot of people who weren't um, for that. Because there was picture they found like people found out that they were going to be strapping rockets to the back of the penguins and people were all up in arms. They're like, this isn't cool. And it's like, you do realize they're not real rockets. And how with that? Yeah. It's just I want a penguin with weaponize your penguins, dude. They actually had to get penguins because they wanted emperor some they, you know, you got your I don't know what type of penguins most of them are but i know that there are four or five emperor penguins mm-hmm. that they wanted they wanted trained ones but they couldn't find any in the state so they had to go outside of the country they had to hire the guy who trains them and ke- takes care of them they came over in like refrigerated crates they had their own trailer that was refrigerated they had to keep the set at a certain temperature throughout their shoot it was wild i just want to be a fly in the wall for this for this shoot just taking care of these penguins mm-hmm. so funny they are one of the most adorable things you'll ever oh. see in a movie <laughs> little penguins running around with little rockets on their backs oh it's brilliant it's, it's, it's brilliant it's it's so good and I, like one of them's got like night vision goggles like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh yeah when no, they but... when he when they activate it and their their little yeah. night vision goggles yeah. flop down yeah, it's so yeah. awesome i love one of yeah. my favorite characters has to be uh the monotone woman who work oh. 
And they're entering the square. Yes. <laughs> yes. Slowly approaching. Yes. And then she disappears into the shadows. So yep. good. What a great shot. Uh, Danny yeah. DeVito was nominated for a Razzie for this, which is he just was. mind-boggling because I think he's one of the best parts of this movie. He's just over, like he just overdoes it, but it's just so great. It's really entertaining. I don't understand. Don't worry. Catwoman would get a Razzie. Not not this Catwoman, but a Catwoman later on. Oh, yeah, of course. Maybe we'll talk she about actually that went, Yeah, well, I won't ruin it for you, but she actually went to that yep. ceremony to actually get the award. <laughs> she's a good sport. Yeah, you know? she literally like, she took it and was like, this movie's trash. I want to thank everybody awesome. who voted for this. Oh, so good. Take the awards you're given. So her sign that's in her room. Oh, yeah. They, I think sign? they use that. that. Oh, oh, back to when we were talking about uh, Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens actually played the Penguin's father in the Gotham show. His biological yeah, he father. Did. You, but he wasn't, a, he wasn't a cobblepot. He, I don't remember what his name was, but yeah, he came back and played the Penguin's dad again. He, and he got a little bit more screen time since he's only on screen for about a minute and a half. Yeah. What, a, what a great opening, though. I love that opening scene. Just Bye, his baby. seriousness with uh, with the little because he's using the uh, the cigarette holder that the original penguin yeah. uses in the comics and of course the '60s show. <laughs> and just, I love it. Back when you could still have your villains smoke in a movie. Oh you my know, god! Right? Old day. God yeah. damn it. Let's talk about that for just a second. So Colin Farrell, who plays the Penguin in the new in the Batman, uh, he you know wanted to play the part. The Penguin is an infamous smoker. And they told him no. <laughs> They're like, nah, you can't do that. We can't. We can't depict smoking in a modern day. We can movie. have them getting drunk, or doing have drugs, them pouring booze or down killing their people. Throat. I mean, I or haven't drugs. seen the movie yet, but really, yeah. Remember, no. a cigarette murder. or cigar. Yeah, murder, <laughs> violence, way more acceptable than nudity, smoking. Yeah, right. All that stuff. Uh, absolutely crazy uh batman he dude he rocked jordans in his outfit so his instead of it being like boots like the prior film they attached jordans to the bottom of the suit because it was a lot more comfortable for they were actually they were jordans they were on both actually oh really oh i I, I miss that yeah very cool yeah nike wanted to get involved with part of the suit and they were like how are we gonna do that and they just (laughs) they built the boots so it made it easier for the stunt guys and everyone to do all the fighting and all the crazy shit because they had comfortable Nikes. Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure that the, the versions that they used for the second movie, you can actually still buy those That's exact awesome. versions. They're expensive, but... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'd have to take out a second mortgage on my house. Probably. Or maybe a third. Spare. Maybe. You have a spare yeah. kidney, right? Yeah. All right. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Michelle Pfeiffer went through 60 cat suits during the shoot of this movie, which cost a thousand dollars a piece. So $60,000 worth of cat suits. Love it. Yeah. There's one you see it. It's literally falling apart. It's like, Oh, I think that's the whole point, which was cool. Like the fact that like throughout her escapades, she's her suit is slowly, you know, falling apart because it's, you know, it shows that it's a homemade suit. It wasn't like Batman suit. Um, I will see. Yeah. I will say this: at least her headwear looks better. Oh, are we talking those about in the, those in the know? Get them, get it. Those in the know. 
had to take that stab. <laughs> I could go on and on about that. We can't. Parker's here. Shh. Yeah, don't spoil it for she me. It. Damn, I'm not spoiled. Oh, you see, you, if you've seen the trailer, no, I've seen, I've seen pictures of of what she yeah. looks like. So, Justin, you got anything to add uh, for facts on this movie? Bring bring them on. I mean, uh, you know, the one interesting thing is that even though it is a sequel, Tim Burton did not approach this as a sequel at all whatsoever. What he really wanted to do was kind of in his own way. Uh, a Tim Burton reboot of what he already did in the first movie. He wanted some of the elements that he loved from that movie there. But even though you hear references like to Vicki Vale, things that happened yeah. in the first movie, in his viewpoint, it's only a spiritual sequel in the sense that it's just another Batman movie that takes place within this world. But it's not a direct like he, he didn't want to make a trilogy per se, like a continuing story arc through three movies. He just wanted to make each movie a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how he approached it. And I, I think it's a really interesting way of making a movie. You could never really do that today because everything is so sequelized. Everything has to be a trilogy or a series. We all know like Robert Pattinson's already signed on for at least two more Batman movies. Back then it was like per movie and I, I think these movies in general uh, particularly Batman and Batman Earth, really changed the face of what we consider comic book movies today without them we wouldn't have what we have today so even though this movie is uh, so different and unique in so many different ways it's still um, you know a benchmark in which so many comic book movies today still attempt to achieve well I'll say this, as you mentioned it, Justin, and you may, you probably know more about this than I do. Uh, I kind of get what you're saying about this being, like you said, more of like a spiritual reboot. I feel like after the success of the first one, they're just like, Burton, do your shit. And just like, let him make a Batman movie. Like, less, like, just let him do it. Less interference from outside. This just felt more like a Burton film. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that was the only way he would do it because they they bugged him about it literally a week after the movie opened and broke records in 89. They obviously wanted to follow it up. Like, hey, let's do another one. And he was so uninterested in doing that, so much to the point that he went and made a very small indie movie called Edward Scissorhands and had, had, had it self-financed and it was released in, in a smaller scale uh, and it did well. But he, he, he wanted to go off and do something else and then return this he literally was just like, don't bother me. I want to make this movie. And at that point, Warner Brothers didn't give a shit. To me, you look at the backlash that this movie received from parents and focus groups and even kids. Um, it was apparent to me that Warner Brothers wasn't really paying attention to the movie he was making. You no, know, no, no, no. Batman Returns had toothpaste. You know, um, I had it. It's like but kids were brushing their teeth with toothpaste. Moms were at the theaters bitching about all the black goo coming out of Penguin's mouth. Uh, so it's 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 really interesting to look back in, in history and think about all the crazy backlash and controversy that this movie stirred up. Well, that's because he wasn't brushing his teeth with Batman Returns brand toothpaste. That's clearly why he was <laughs> hemorrhaging. You know, that motherfucker wasn't brushing his teeth at all. No, brush it with like a. He wasn't brushing his teeth, and he was a very, very sexually awkward, aggravated Uh. man. Like it just it oozed out of him. You're like, wow, more from everywhere. Did I ever watch this with my mom around? I'm wondering (laughs) because there was some. 
like the, I wonder how I things. was allowed <laughs> to watch this. Like he had like that man onesie and then like black goop and yeah, he was yeah, it was great. I love it. Uh, Danny DeVito was on a talk show and he talked about the monkey that's in the movie where there was a scene where the monkey had to give him the note and the monkey got scared of his outfit and attacked his, his private parts. It, it latched on and he said it was a very terrifying moment, but he had no uh, yeah. ill will towards the monkey after the fact. It's just reinforcing <laughs> my belief as far as primates and monkeys go, you know, don't trust him, man. Don't trust him. All right. Well, Justin, if you got anything else, keep 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 them coming. If you don't, we can hop into the plot. Oh, it, in terms of trivia, I mean, one of the other things that's interesting, uh, you look at the casting of the movie, is that Michelle Pfeiffer was not originally cast as Catwoman. Uh, nope. We had Annette Benning that was in the role. Who, you know, when you think about it, uh, visually at least, she looks like she'd be a very interesting Catwoman. Uh, the suit was even different. When you look at the original designs, there was a lot more cleavage going on, um, some weird flares on the shoulders. It was a very different kind of take on the character. But then she got pregnant. Um, and this is the second time in Batman movie history leading up to that point where, you know, one of the main female actresses in the movie was cast as a character and ended up having to leave the movie because of a personal reason. The first movie, I was Sean Young playing Vicky Allen falling off the horse here. She just got pregnant. And thank God for that, because what that presented to us, in my opinion, is one of the best performances in a comic book movie ever. Uh, I just saw the new one, not going to spoil anything, but let's just say that Michelle's version of the character, in my viewpoint, has still not been topped yet. So, um, yeah, there's there's that too um, about the movie, but there, there's, there's so much other stuff about this movie when you dig into it. Um, you know, Michael Keaton himself has never watched this movie all the way through. So that's yeah, he states it's his favorite. It's a, he said it's, it's his favorite, favorite because he, he made the most amount of money, probably. Yeah. probably. <laughs> that's oh. not the first time I've heard a story like that. There's a lot of actors who don't watch their, their own films. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if that was the reason he didn't watch it, but I know like Johnny Depp has gone on record to say he has never seen a single film he's made. Really? I seriously yeah. don't blame him because I hate hearing myself talk, so I don't blame him. I love hearing you talk. We had something, so when we were watching it on Friday on uh, Discord, we had something pointed out to us that I, I guess, never even thought about looking at. The guy that plays Billy Butcherson in Hocus Pocus is in this. Yes, Doug Jones. Yeah. Doug Jones, yeah. I was like, I, what? Yeah, he was I had the, to go like look the it up. thin clown. Yeah, I had to go look right. it up afterwards. Every time I, I saw like, him on screen, really I was cool. like, is that Doug Jones? And I meant to look it up and never did. And then as I was like researching it and putting down some some facts, I was like, it was. That's so good. He never ages. The man is ageless. Hell no. I mean, you look at his picture now that he's got on IMDb and it's like. Well, the first time most people saw him was a fucking like, dead guy. So, of course, he doesn't look like he's saying. <laughs> Wait, no. Hocus Pocus came out after this. I know. I'm just, that's right. I don't fucking know. But I mean, that's the big first big role I can think of that he was. It was like, yeah. oh, he was the thin clown. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. On, I'm just thinking of like the. I'm just thinking of the lay person. I mean, you've you've never seen this movie. The person until that hasn't Friday. seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't care if I'm full of shit. I'm still. I stand by my statement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Do we have any? Is it, do we have anything else before we jump into this plot? Let's go for it. All right, let's go for it. So with the movie opens, of course, to Danny Elfman's fantastic score as we go into the Cobblepot Mansion. Uh, we meet Tucker, which you don't figure out his name until later on in the movie, but we, I, you know, we know what it is. It's Tucker. He's, you know, s- staring out the window with his cool cigarette holder, you know, looking like a typical rich guy that came from the comics. And you can hear screaming down the hallway. What's going on? Oh, it's his wife. She's giving birth. And everyone is screaming, running out of the room. It's something bad is going on. So he runs in. And he's horrified, but you don't see what it is. It cuts to the next scene where she just gave birth, but she is she looks great for or this must be some time later because she is they're both standing at the window and they're looking at their kid locked in a crate. Eating a cat. <laughs> just scraps onto the cat. It's, and, it's got a little rubber ducky hanging from the cage and everything, like a oh, little play toy for an animal. It's so good. Hey, for a person that's had a baby. She looks great for just having a kid because I didn't look like that for a long time after I had mine. I wish uh, we didn't have a guest on this week. I would make the rudest fucking comment ever. <laughs> you have to bite your tongue. Yeah, oh, carry boy. on. So, carry we, on. <laughs> so we go to. So now they're like, okay, well, we need to do something about this. What this atrocity of the of a child, which you you don't ever see him as a baby. You do see when he reaches his hands out, and you see he's got the flippers. Mm-hmm. But you don't see his face or anything. So they take him in the in the baby carriage, which clearly has nothing in it because this thing is flopping all over the place oh, like yeah. it is like it is three pounds as they're pushing it through this park. They're passing people who also have babies and, you know, with their awkward like, hey, we're not. Merry doing Christmas. Here. Yes. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and they're pushing it along and then they get to a bridge and then they just yeet. The, the, the baby carriage right into murder. The water. And they, just, <laughs> look, they do it and then they look around like no one saw us right who's going who's going for a walk in in a park at night in gotham city in the winter time safest place in the world i guess so i guess this is a prime time to go do a crime like this the great the the next part of course is the great opening or the opening crawl where it shows uh the the baby carrier going down the sewer as danny elfman's score continues to play i love this opening and it's like oh, one of the most still to this day i get goosebumps up my fucking spine when that happens i'm just like yes and the, the really bad cgi bats are going flying <laughs> yes. towards the screen yes <laughs> one of the earliest C- versions of cgi in the 90s this was before jurassic park it was mm-hmm. yeah so and then by the time that it all ends is where um it gets to it lands on the like shore of his little lair yeah where then yeah. the penguins pick it up and bring it up the the ramp there we then zoom to 33 years later it's christmas time and it's time to light the big old tree he uh alfred runs into the paper boy who is the guy from twister i don't know this actor's name but i just remember him from twister i know he's been in other stuff but i was like hey it's that guy and that's and he's just the very generic paper boy who's yelling the 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 headlines on the newspaper yeah what was the headline justin you probably know penguin manor myth yes oh yeah is it, yeah sean whalen yeah as uh as alfred passes the uh, sewer grate he sees something weird looks at it 
and then it cuts up to the Shrek building where we meet Max Shrek played by Christopher Walken. He is the rich, one of the rich socialites, socialites of Gotham, and he's wanting to make Gotham a better place by building a power, uh, a power plant that literally was just going to suck the power out of Gotham City. He's just, 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 I want it all. He is the most <laughs> like ridiculous cookie cutter car, like comic book villain ever. Like I must have the power. And I'm over here cackling to myself because I, I think of his son when he shows up and he talks like an even more exaggerated version of how Christopher Walken speaks. And I'm like, what go that? save yourself. Yeah, I yeah, go. I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So we also meet Selena Kyle, who is, I guess, Shrek's secretary slash, uh, slash bitch. She literally just gets treated like shit. Oh, yeah. She, I guess we haven't trained her yet. Yeah. Properly yeah. Yet. Like, what the hell? Remember, executive assistant, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. yes, yes. Not secretary. She's like, I have an idea. And they're just like, who let you talk? Who let you in? <sighs> yeah. Oh, then, of shit. course, we have the, the dialogue there that obviously mirrors the cat theme, where they mention that he hasn't properly housebroken Miss Kyle and then references yeah. how she makes a great cup of coffee. You could never get away with that kind of line in a movie today. No, no, because no. everyone would pick it the fuck out of it. Be like, oh my god, they're talking back then. It was, you know, before the PC days. Right. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So I love her corn dog. She calls herself a corn dog. Yes, I, had to write that down. Corn dog. I did. Right. I did too. I wonder if she came up with that herself. <laughs> has to be Tim Burton. I, can just, I just want to see I just want to see the script where Tim Burton put in there corn dog stupid corn dog so Shrek is brought out his, his son comes in who looks nothing like him he just looks like this big seven and a half foot tall brooding man and you have Christopher Walken I'm like I don't buy this but we'll go with it <laughs> he's like you got to make an appearance down there everything is in this one area too do you notice that most of this movie takes place in this one part of Gotham Gotham Square yeah literally there is no we're like Batman 89 it, it feel like B Gotham was so much bigger where it's just like nope this is it but this is where this movie is primarily going to be the entire time it's Gotham Square and Gotham Zoo that's it <laughs> and there, it's probably like two blocks yeah I, f I feel like where Selena Kyle lives is just on the back side of the the square. Yeah, like, she just she, just she leaves the, the Shrek building. She goes to the next building, walks down the alleyway. <laughs> She's home. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny because they used a lot of Warner Brothers, uh, the, the lots there to to make this movie. So the fact that like you you feel like it's a lot smaller than in the previous film. You're like, that's it's so weird. It just felt weird to me. But with all that, I love like I said last week, I love Gotham City in these early Batman films. You know, even with Forever in Batman and Robin, when we get to them, the Go Gotham just it just feels different than a gen like with the the Dark Knight trilogy, where it's nope, that's Chicago or that's New York City or whatever. This is yeah, I was just talking about earlier. Yeah, it just feels different, and it that, that's what's great to me, especially when it compares to like the the animated series because it kind of pulls. Well, I know that the animated series pulled a lot from the Burton films. And their ideas behind yes. the way characters were. 
and especially like the is this the the general aesthetic of the world too yeah it pulls from those for those two burton movies i think so yeah, i mean you have you have in both movies your villains and people on the streets with top hats zoot suits so there's still that 1940s look to everyone but they're driving yeah. modern cars i think yeah. that's one of the most timeless aspects about both these movies mm -hmm. this movie even more so because it doesn't have the prince music where i I love more than anything, but that's the one thing about that movie where you're like, okay, it's it's the 80s. There's Prince music throughout. Where here, there's really none of that. So the the right. setting, you don't even really know what time frame this movie takes place because when you look at the architecture, the costuming, and everything like that, the only thing that stands out is the vehicles, really. Right. So we so Max has got to go make a speech in front of the city. Uh, it's for the lighting of the Christmas tree. He forgot his speech. Oh, no, Selena, you forgot to give him his speech. So, of course, uh, he he leans over to his son. What does he say? He says, like, remind me to discipline her or something. He's like, remind me to take it out on what's her name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even remember her name. Yep. And of course, it then goes up to the building where she is freaking out because she forgot to give him the speech. Oh, boy. So it's. Now time for the show to start. As everything is about to go down with the tree lighting, a bunch of giant presents just come out of nowhere, just come out of alleyways and every which way. And they open up, they explode, and a bunch of psychotic performers come out. This is the Red Triangle Gang, right? That's what the that's what this gang is called. Yes, sir. Red Triangle Circus Gang. Yeah. They so Gordon, he uh, calls for the signal of this. As a, you know, when I was a kid... And even when I was a teen, I've seen this movie so many times, but as a 30 year old man sitting there watching it again and the way that the whole thing happens where Gordon calls for the signal and then Bruce has the signal hit a bunch of smaller ones, which then shines right in his face and he gets up, gets up all epic like it made me laugh out loud. It was so funny. He's brooding on Christmas. What is he doing? Is he he's just. Bruce, you got nothing. To, you got nothing to do. You're just he's just sitting there in his study. He's, like, he's, yeah. he's waiting. For he's waiting for the call. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. just waiting for the call. What a, what a well, luckily, he doesn't have any neighbors next door because, the, yeah. you know, they can clearly see the giant bat singles on both sides of the fucking mansion. I mean, it's a cool aesthetic. It's a cool scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes no sense to have Honey. giant bat signals on top of Wayne Manor. Honey, why is the bat symbol going in Bruce's house? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And uh, yeah, it was, it made me laugh out loud. It was so funny. I feel like he hasn't eaten all week. He's like, yeah, he's waiting. just waiting like, for that moment. He Netflix, that's why Wayne Enterprises is just collapsing. <laughs> no one's running it. So the performers want Shrek. Batman makes his grand appearance very quickly, by the way. And can, can you guys tell me, I, you know, I feel I've read a lot of comics and I've watched, of course, like pretty much everything that Batman's been in on the big screen, but the rule of Batman not killing anybody or killing people. Is that like, was that established in the Dark Knight trilogy that I just didn't realize? Because Keaton's Batman kills a lot of people. He's just icing every fucking body, dude. Yeah, it's he like doesn't he, give a fuck. It's like he, <laughs> he forgot. Really he set that devil guy. I love the scene where he, the, the, the guy blowing the fire, and then he's got the contraption <laughs> that lifts the Batmobile and spins it around and shoots the fire out. I'm like, that man's dead. That man is well, dead. Admittedly, very early in the Batman comics, yes, he did very early. He did kill people, but that that did not last very long. He carried a gun for a short period, but other than after that, no. I think it just when they did these movies, they just approached them from a different viewpoint. 
Tim Burton was never really the biggest comics guy, even though he did really pay a lot of attention with the first movie with comics. Yeah. I know when he sat down, you know, Sam Hamm wrote the the initial story for this. He brought in Daniel Waters um, to do the actual script for the movie. And he's gone on record saying that when they sat down, you know, he asked, do you do you want me to, you know, from any one piece of comic book literature for this and he said i want nothing to do with any of that i want just to, it to be our movie so they made something that i mean a lot at the, at the time i know a lot of huge comic book fans were really pissed off because the movie strays so far in general from traditional batman but for me as a fan that's why i love it so much because they take it and do something completely different with it for some people it works other people it doesn't I personally, as a Batman fan, don't mind if he kills. I don't care. I, it's, I know he's not, he's supposed to not be the Punisher, but right. I also don't mind if he if if he doesn't kill. If if it works for the movie and that version of the character, then I'm fine with it. Uh, you know, uh, he's killed in almost every single Batman movie there is, either directly <laughs> or indirectly. Yeah. So at this point, it's just kind of become a thing. You know? Yeah. It's just they they have to sprinkle it in there like Batman doesn't kill people or he has to say it. Um, I mean, he's beat people to a pulp. How can you not listen? If he beats somebody, if he beats somebody's ass to stop him from robbing somebody or blowing up the city and they just been to asphyxiate on their own fluids, that's not his problem. He disabled them and they are just they just couldn't live. They didn't have enough willpower to live. (laughs) Or if he just, you know, a little bit of exhaust off the Batmobile caught on the guy's <laughs> costume. It's not like it's his fault that he caught on fire. He was, in the, he was just caught by, you know. He wasn't even there when the guy died. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He didn't even look back in the rearview mirror because the Batmobile doesn't fucking have it. So he's just like, no, I'm good. That's so great. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. That's good. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he died. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. He's dead. So... Batman then comes out, he beats up a bunch of other uh, bad guys, and then a dude holding a taser, he takes Selina because she comes out to bring the speech, and she gets grabbed by a guy who holds her hostage with a taser. Batman ends up saving her, and I just, I love Michelle Pfeiffer, and this her as Selina and as Catwoman, just that dual personality, it, she's just so good in it, and... I love after Batman saves her because he shoots the line and then pulls it and it breaks off the piece of the the siding and it smashes the dude. And then she she picks up the taser that like looks at it and then tests it on his body. Yeah, just to make sure it works. So I I have to say, as Tim Burton, he tried to create these dark, darker toned Batman films to to get away from what they did in the 60s. All right, that he was trying mm-hmm. to do something different. Uh, ha- having Pat Hinkle play uh, Commissioner Gordon kind of throws it off because he is the hammiest, cheesiest Commissioner Gordon we've gotten. He's just, he seems so out of place. And when you get to the Schumacher films, which are meant to be more cheesy, he fits. He just doesn't fit as Commissioner Gordon in these Burton films as much as if they they got somebody a little bit more. I feel he needed to be a little bit darker, and he wasn't. He was just... I like Pat Hinkle. I think he does a great job in what he's trying to do. But like I said, I feel he fits more in the Schumacher films, where in these Burton films, he's just he's just too much. I don't know what I you, mean, unfortunately, you the character in general in both of these movies that Tim did 
he doesn't really have all that much to do. They don't really no. have a relationship. In the first movie, it, you know, they, they they see each other like once, right. you know, in yeah. Axis Chemicals, basically. Yeah. And in this movie, they talk for a second. That's literally the only conversation they have. Batman, I'm afraid the circus gang is back. We'll see. And that's it. That's yeah. the only yeah, line of yeah, dialogue yeah. between the two of them. It, I've just gotten over it, you know, over the years. And I'm so thankful for what Nolan did with Gary Oldman and Christian Bale and that relationship and, you know, and the Batman as well. We finally have that relationship. But it never bothered me as a kid because this version of Batman, and I love this about this version of the character, he stays in the shadows. He's right. not going to walk around during the daytime. Like, you know, one of the things I hate the most about some of the newer Batman movies which I love all of them, but Batman walking around in his suit during the day. He's called a creature of the night, the dark night for a reason. He's this mythic creature like, you know, vigilante. And I yep. love that this version it keeps that old school Dracula esque shit that Tim Burton loves so much really at the center of this version of Batman. I agree. Yeah. I, I, as much as I'm giving shit to Pat Hagel, I don't like, I don't think he does a bad job, but like you said, which I agree highly is they, yeah. They oh didn't no. Give, I they yeah. Didn't give him a lot to do. It, he was kind of just a throwaway character. I felt like they probably could have just thrown anybody in there, but like, yeah, but commissioner Gordon, he's kind of a big deal in the comics. Let's just, let's just have him there. Yeah, just no, I, there. I know what you mean. They just, they just grabbed a dude, you know, him him and Jack Palance in the first movie. They're dudes from a lot of old westerns. Yeah. Pat Hangel doesn't really, he, he doesn't seem to fit. He fits to me better in the first movie than he does here because the first yeah. movie's way more pulpy. Um, but this one, it's, it's a lot darker, weirder. Also, like, the, the black humor throughout. He's just kind of yeah. like, I, I understand what you mean. He stands out a lot. Oh boy, when you see him in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, that's where he fits in because he's got a slightly better relationship with Batman, but also it's just he fits in that uh, more campy uh, Batman environment, which the Schumacher films, even if Schumacher says they weren't meant to be that way, they were. He's full of shit. <laughs> well, he was. Sorry. R.I.P. Schumacher. So yeah, so Batman saves her. So Gordon continues to cheese it up. Shrek runs away and gets captured by the circus gang. And that's when we officially meet the penguin. Uh, he shows off his lair and all his cool umbrellas. I love how they kept that because uh, that is a, a comic thing, right? The whole him having all the different Pretty umbrellas sure. that have the weapons in them. And listen, and you guys can't say anything, but if if the penguin and the Batman doesn't have cool, you know, gun umbrellas, I'm going to be very disappointed in this movie. You really don't want me to tell you then. <laughs> just kidding. <I'm, laughs> oh man, I just I I just love I just love all of his different umbrellas. You know, he's got the one where he's he's spinning it around at Shrek. He's like, is that supposed to like hypnotize me? And he's like, no, it's just supposed to give you a nasty headache. <laughs> <laughs> Danny DeVito is just so perfect for this role. Especially so in the way good. that Burton created. Like, of course, this is a a completely different interpretation of the penguin compared to the comics where and he just fits perfectly into that situation it just oh the dialogue is great just how like gnarly he is and the fact that he did such a great job when he had to endure some like you know he's got prosthetics on he's got that shit in his mouth all the time that he's got to be you know doing dialogue as that stuff is pouring out of his mouth and DeVito. He, and then this dude gets nominated for a Razzie. What a what a bunch of crap. Uh, Penguin wants to know where he comes uh, where he comes from. 
and he pretty much blackmails Shrek into helping him because he he talks about it was like a deal. Th- what what was the, what was the thing that he was blackmailing him on? It was like what he was originally supposed to be doing with the power plant he was talking about or all the goo that was going into the water. It was the toxic waste. It was the fact that he owns a whole bunch of fire traps in Gotham. Yeah. Um, the fact that he killed his business partner, <laughs> Fred Atkins. He even had his hand. I mean, yeah. Penguin did his homework hardcore for this. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'd think, he, he, I mean, I guess he has nothing else to do but hang out in the sewers. Yeah. So he's got a lot of time on his hands to, to be able to do this and use his circus gang as his henchmen to go out and, and capture all this stuff. I mean, imagine taking all of those papers and taping them together. Oh, no. Just for oh, that. I have. Just so you can get out. And, and and try to blackmail Max Shrek. It was all so calculated, but yet the, the, the you know the actual occurrence itself seems so random. Right. <laughs> I just it just was so funny. So we then cut up to uh, Selena's apartment, and we meet Miss Kitty, who is I guess the horniest cat on the block. <laughs> Apparently. And I love the her entrance into her apartment when she's like, "Honey, I'm home." Oh wait, I'm not married. And she listens to her messages, which one of the message or one of the voices on the messages was Tim Burton himself. I don't know if which one it was. I don't know if it was the boyfriend, the one who said that he's got to go on vacation alone. Had to have been because that was the only was that the male only male voice? voice, right? Okay, so yeah, that has to be it. She is, you know, doing her normal stuff when she gets home, but then she realizes she's got to go back to the office because she's got to get all the paperwork ready for the deal between Shrek and Bruce Wayne for the the power plant. So she she goes back to the office where she then encounters Shrek, who is just, boy, you know, just by his demeanor, this entire conversation, something bad is going to happen if this is your first go around watching this. You just know, like, just the way that she is super uncomfortable with him and every, like, he gets closer and she just gets more tense, which is just a, just shows how great of a performer Michelle Pfeiffer is. It just, he's, and to be honest, Christopher Walken is kind of scary. Oh, he's terrifying, especially yeah. in this scene. I mean, just the, he oozes menace out of yeah. his eyes. I mean, you, you can imagine standing that close to his face. I'd be I'd be fucking terrified, right. too. And then, you know, obviously she gets chucked out of a whole, you know, a, a giant window. Yeah. So she pretty much is just telling him, like, so you, uh, pretty much throwing it in his face, like pretty much this is illegal. This is you're not doing what you're saying you're supposed to be, you're going to be doing. You're not. You're not trying to better the city. You're going to try to take from the city just to make yourself richer. And he's like, you're smart. And do you know what happened? Or was it curious? Like, you know what curiosity did to the cat? And then I love where he like hesitates. He's like, ah, and then it ah, pushes her out as he turns around and comes back. And you get and the, the, the thing about this scene was that when she falls out the window, you just expect her to, you know, fall and hit the ground. Well, no, they had to add the, what are those called? Awnings that come Awnings, out. Yeah. And she's just, Oh, it dude. I, I just remember watching that scene. Like it hurt me watching it. Like she just hits those awnings before she hits the ground. Like, damn, that is the impact. Dark. Especially the, 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 yeah, the sound design in that scene too. When she hits each one of those, it's very yeah. violent. It's extremely yeah. violent to imagine your body going through all of those. And, one wonders if maybe they were trying to use them to soften her blow to say like, well, now when she comes back to life, 
from the cat, it's not so far-fetched, even though right. we know that that's probably the most far-fetched thing in the entire movie. One also wonders, is she actually dead? Or did she just break a couple bones? We're pretty sure, falling from that far, she's fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. But these cats yeah. magically bring her back to life by biting her fingers. Yeah, Imagine biting that. her fingers, licking her face. Dan, this is how Haley Berry yeah. comes back from <laughs> to be Catwoman. <laughs> I, th- th- this is. <laughs> I was about to say. I had it's different worse, reactions. So much worse is so much CGI. I, I, had a, I had a different reaction to like when she was falling with the awnings. I'm like, if this is a cartoon, she'd bounce off those. That was like my first thought. Like I know I'm, I'm a child at heart, but uh, I didn't like that. Like I don't like the scene. Like I'm glad you mentioned Justin that like he tried to have none of this stuff to do with the comic books because I could find no connection to the cats bringing her back to life thing. All of that was like my biggest, one of my biggest problems with this movie. I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. How like, she becomes and even from a literal like, cat. Yeah, like, but that, but it, I, I know, but like, it's not clear whether she dies or not, like fully is dead or not. Right. She comes back into her apartment and just suddenly knows martial arts and is suddenly a badass and you're just like, all right. That's just my perspective on it. No, it's a valid perspective to have, especially you watching it for the first time. I think when it came out, you know, you're going to have a different perspective at that point because mm-hmm. not a lot of people were as familiar with comic books. I mean, unless you were yeah. a hardcore comic book reader, it's not like today where, you know, it's cool to be a nerd now. Back then, yeah. I got beat up at school for wearing my Batman shirt, you know, so it was like, a totally different thing where now comics are so accepted and now everybody, you know, social media and the internet, it's everyone can find out everything they want about the characters. But then if that's your first introduction to the character, it's totally different for you, you know? Well, so everyone, that was my perspective. Cause I, you know, my, 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 most of my Batman knowledge came from the Batman, the animated series. Cause that's where I really got into it. Um, not seeing this movie. I had, I had seen this clip from the movie and I knew what happened in the Halle Berry movie. And that's what I was like, that's why I was looking. I was like, there, I was hoping to find like some connection somewhere. And when I couldn't, I'm glad you explained that. But even with the Penguin you mentioned, he was actually in the Silver Age of comics, uh, somewhat similar to being, you know, uh, looking more Penguin-like and being discriminated against for it. But not to the extent that I can tell that um, Burton did the character, like being raised by Penguins and, you know, the zoo, even though it's pretty much the fucking sewers. Yeah, I mean, he took all of the animal <laughs> themes and really went all the way with them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He, he's not half-assing anything here, and I think that's why this movie is so divisive for people, because he doesn't give a shit. He's literally just doing whatever he wants with these characters. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think Batman's probably, out of all of them, the least animalistic in terms of his connection to bats. Right. You know, Penguin is a literal penguin. Catwoman has nine lives in the movie. Um, yeah, he really went for that in terms of animal people. That's how he worded it, at least. So, yeah. So t- once she falls, you got cats swarming her, biting her and such, waking her up from her slumber or death. I don't, it's kind of all up to, you know, the the audience's interpretation on if she's dead or not. She goes back to her apartment, similar to the way that she went into it before, where she, you know, but it's she's, you know, all she's rough. She's it's like she had a rough night out, which she did. She comes in, she does her normal, honey, I'm home. Oh, I'm not married. But instead of like, you know, she drops her keys on the ground. 
She grabs the the milk and starts to pour it, but she pours it all over the floor. And then, of course, she's drinking the milk out of the carton. And then there's the message on the answering machine that just sets her off. And then she she breaks the answering machine and then just tears her house apart. And by, you know, she spray paints the walls. She's smashing mirrors. She's she smashes the lights on the sign that says hello there. But now it says hell here, which I thought was a great touch as she's so, you know, creating her suit. And she completes her suit. She comes out and her transformation is complete. And we finally get Catwoman. What what's the line that she says to her cat? I don't know, Miss Kitty, but I feel so much yummier. <laughs> this is <laughs> it's great. It's so good. It's always nice to have this tone of information. It's yes. <laughs> so we it's, then... it's, it's one of the best. Also, I just had to say it's one of the best shots in the entire movie. Yes, I. Agree. It's one of the most gorgeous pieces of cinematography. That wide shot just panning in with all the real cats on the set, and then she's just in in the background. Just the silhouette with the light. It's just yep, absolutely yep. gorgeous. I'm just in love with that shot. It's its a great shot. The mayor then makes a speech, and uh, he's making it in front of the town hall, or city hall, and a performer comes down and snags his baby. Yeah, right? Yeah. Just and babies now. Does, and, and has a baby in his arms, does some crazy flips, and then flips into the sewer, where the penguin is down there, where he orchestrates this whole thing and is like, no, please, Mr. Penguin, don't hurt me. Here, have the baby back. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, and it shows him down there handing the baby off to him. And he gets and he, the his little duck that he has, the the um, motorized duck, it rises up out of, and he rises very epically out of the sewer and makes a, an epic speech about you know not being accepted and having to hide in the sewers you know all his life but he wants to know you know he wants to know who he is he wants to become like everybody else and bruce watches it from the tv and i just love where alfred's just like what's that master bruce and he's like uh the penguin the penguin man i hope he finds his parents (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay it's like, why aren't you helping that very old man decorate that tree, you son of a bitch? Leaving <laughs> <laughs> Alfred all the work. You lazy shit. Sitting there watching this big screen TV in front of the biggest fucking fireplace ever built for any movie of all time, where you would probably literally melt if you sat in front of it. Yeah, but, but he's got a TV like two feet away from it. It just slowly melts. <laughs> It's so um, exaggerated, but it, it's it, it, it's so ridiculous, but I kind of still love it just because oh, yeah. it's so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's Bruce and Alfred who live in this house and they ha- still have to buy a literal pine tree, like a full grown pine tree to put in the, in the mansion. Like, why? <laughs> it's not like they're going to have any guests over. Exactly. Are they going to exchange gifts? <laughs> it's one gift just, under there for Alfred. Just at least pay somebody to do it. God, man, use that <laughs> money, Bruce. He does his, for his all of his Batman escapades. That's true. He's gonna give Alfred another. Yeah, pair no of white one gloves. can track it. No one can track it that Bruce is using this money to be Batman. Right. There is a movie that does hint to that, though. Uh, Bruce <laughs> researches the Penguin. He he's pretty much trying to figure out what the Penguin is up to because he always knows if something like this is going on, there's got to be something sketchy happening. And you know, we find you find out that he that the Penguin was part of a traveling circus as the penguin boy or the bird boy. And Mm -hmm. 
then he something happened with the circus and he just disappeared. No one knew where he went. And then he ended up forming the the Red Circus Gang. And but they but that's what Batman's trying to do. He's trying to link him up to the gang so then he can um you know have him arrested or whatever. He so of course Bruce instead of just like why can't Bruce Wayne just drive out there in his car to see what the penguins up to? It's not that suspicious just hop in a car and just drive around. No, he's got to suit up as Batman. Absolutely. Get in the does. Batmobile, drive <laughs> around downtown Gotham to see what the penguins up to. And what is he doing? He's just sitting in the in like the the records room finding out who his parents are which then the next scene shows him going to the uh, cemetery where he finds out that he is uh oswald Cobblepot. he is not the penguin anymore and i never i never oh go go ahead no no go ahead go ahead i was like right around the same time and it may be what you're building to i i maybe i missed something but like bruce is like i think he knows who his parents are like before he figures it out i'm like i don't i don't really think he did but again, I may be misinterpreting this. Like, I may have missed a point in the film, or like, where like there's more, like where it alludes to that. But I didn't. Yeah. I so don't understand the, that. the entire reason why he's at the Hall of Records is because he's making a list of all Gotham's firstborn that sons right. who can kill them all. That's so right. I think it, it, it's entirely possible that he found out in the beginning of this research who his parents were. Um, but considering how resourceful he was earlier with the Shrek thing all those documents his partner's hand he'd got to assume he'd be smart enough to find out who his parents are but obviously he was discarded as a baby so you probably might not remember a goddamn thing about that so you could look at it either way right but the the, the sole focus of that is him getting all of those names down so he yeah. can go drown a bunch of children it's a batman movie for you ladies and gentlemen yeah no, that's true that's true i i heard that or I read that this that whole um, kidnapping kids plot line wasn't part of it. It was like a, a revision to the script that it wasn't in the original script, the whole kidnapping kids and drowning them. It wasn't in the original story that Sam Ham, Ham had at all, actually. Um, some of the stuff that he did in the movie, like the <clears throat> penguin becoming mayor, that stuff stuck. But the, the kids getting uh, abducted and all that, that was a Daniel Waters thing that came later for sure. Is he related to John Waters? No, I don't believe so. <laughs> I'd be like, that makes a lot of sense. It would, yeah, sure. <laughs> Similar tone at times. Mm. So yeah, so Penguin visits his uh, parents' grave. He finds out he is, uh, he announces he is Oswald Cobblepot. And we then go to the cheesiest newspaper gathering scene ever of like, you know, you got the paper boy there, announced everything, and it's like, you know, the woman grabs the paper and she's like, I can't remember what she says, but it's just a bunch of cheesy lines about like yeah. headlines. It's like a frog that turned into a prince. And you know who that is that Bob says Kane's that line? Wife. That's right. Yeah. That piece of shit, Bob Kane. Fuck yes. Him. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Dan, 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 uh, Dan told that story last week when we talked about Very good. Batman 89 about how Bob Kane's a piece of shit, which I knew a little bit about the story, but I didn't know the full extent of it. So. I mean, we have the man to thank for the original concept, the name. That's yeah. it. But I won't go any further into that because that's a whole other episode of something. Yes. <laughs> so Catwoman makes her uh, appearance. She beats up a mugger and shames the victim. She literally saves this woman from being mugged or, you know, you don't know. You've got to whatever's going to happen. And then she pretty much shames the woman for being in that situation. 
and moves on. Bruce, it's the next day Bruce meets with Shrek and Bruce tells Shrek that he's not approving of the power plant and Shrek is just, he turns into an angry child where he's just, he's like, why won't you let me do it? It's a good idea. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to do it regardless and I'll get the, I'll get the right people to, to approve it and we'll, we'll get it done anyways. But guess what? Selena's back and Shrek's like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. That was a good scene. And she's got the, she got the new hairdo. She's got all the, the nice curls going on there. That just shows like that. She's a different, completely different person just by her appearance here. Cause I don't even think she's wearing, no, she is wearing her glasses, but I just love when, the, when the son brings her in and he's just like, just looking at his dad, like, is this she also looks as pale as a corpse yep yeah. so it's like okay so that, that that's that one little piece that's hinting at the fact that she's kind of half dead you yeah. know yep. is, is this Catwoman a zombie because she she looks so pale throughout the whole rest of the movie her eyes are a little bit more sunken in and they're they're a lot darker around her eyes too so it's i don't know if they're hinting at that or not that she's kind of like the living dead but Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, that I mean, that is a good touch. She and of course she has the injury. She ha- she's got her wrist wrapped up. She's got a bandage on her forehead. And, and you talk about how she's on vacation. He's like, "Oh, did you get in an accident? Is that why you're home early?" Yeah, a skiing accident. I, I can't. I can't really remember. I just remember, you know, being here and then uh, I I fell asleep and I I'm here now. So she escorts Bruce out. And he asks her out because that's just how Bruce is. He literally meets oh, a woman yeah. for 30 seconds and he's got to ask her out. And clearly she's uh, she's gone through some uh, some tough times and he's still about it. I just love it <laughs> where he's just like, I'm I'm leaving because <laughs> he yeah, gets yeah. her on the elevator. Don't forget your jacket, Mr. Wayne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that it, again, Michael bringing that really weird, unique quirkiness to bruce wayne where he's very awkward socially awkward and and the like when he's talking with shrek in terms of business he's a strong businessman but when it comes to other interactions you can tell that he's just not comfortable he's not a normal guy it's a nice touch i love the line that shrek goes he's like she tries to blackmail me and i'll drop her out of a higher window (laughs) (laughs) that just doesn't give a shit yeah absolutely just he's terrifying Shrek visits Oswald. He loves him. Or loves him. God, I can't. Sometimes I love reading my handwriting. He lures him in with some fish down to a campaign headquarters. Well, you wouldn't be wrong if you said he loves him some fish. He does love him some fish. (laughs) I just need to write uh, a little bit clearer. Uh, Oswald is running for mayor without his knowledge, but guess what? He's I love it. He's literally in like his um over uh what, what would you call this it's what it will his his bib and overalls i know it's bib and bib and onesie yeah i guess it's a onesie. It's a yeah. man it's, onesie. looks like his fucking pajamas man <laughs> yeah he's eating the fish and I, the the two characters they got like the woman who's like gonna try to make him look better and then the guy who comes up and like just he's just roasting him like yeah like he's talking shit about him about how he how he looks and stuff and not a lot of reflective surfaces down in the sewer huh (laughs) and i love how the penguin's just grunting the whole time like he's not saying anything and then he's got the line that he says before 
He bites the guy's nose. What Still, was could be worse. My nose could be gushing blood. Yep. He's like, I love huh? the look on the dude's face where he's like, huh? Nose could be, what? And then it's like, <laughs> and yeah. that was the moment, ladies and gentlemen, when all of the moms in the audience grabbed their little boy's hands and dragged him out of the theater. Yep. I can't believe I brought you to this movie. I can't believe I bought you that Batman figure and that Batman happy meal last week. We're leaving. Luckily, my mom wasn't there when I saw the movie because she probably would have did the same shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. To be honest, I might have. Every time I watched this as a kid, I was probably alone or with my brother who was even younger than me. So I don't know if I ever watched this with my mom around. My grandmother didn't care. She she had me she had me watch Gladiator when I was ten. So, the grandmas are the best. Grand, oh, my grandmother was a huge entryway gateway for for horror movies for me. But yeah, I, I know my mom when she when we bought this movie on VHS and I tried to show it to her. It was like the first day I got it. The first day it came out, my mom watched the first ten minutes and was like, "This is terrible. You're not allowed to watch it." And went to bed. And I'm I just waited for her to go to bed and put it back on. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's I how mean, you do it. It's always anything. You know, you wait till your parents go to bed and your dad had, you know, Cinemax and you saw some things you weren't supposed to see we're, at that age. Weren't those yes. the good, good old days? It's great, right? It's so, it was because it, you had to work for it. That's what made it great. You had to work for it where now it's like you just go, you just go online and you can easily find those things. It doesn't make it as yeah. much fun. <laughs> Back in the day, we'd no have effort. to wait for hours and hours until your parents went to bed. It's 1130. A soft core is on and you'd I'd sneak downstairs and watch it and just have to yes. be quiet have the, the volume all the way down now all the kid has to do is pull out his phone while he's in bed dude he can get it on with himself with no one knowing <laughs> headphones bro back in the day we had to sneak that shit <laughs> no, these days don't know the struggle or the no, uh, they don't the, the one channel that's clearly porn but it's all like <laughs> scrambled on the tv <laughs> where you can make out like a silhouette like, what's this? You try yeah, the volume all the way down and you get as close as you can to the oh, TV. Yeah. We got we are so far off track. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I think I heard Woo! a moan. No, that was a frog. Sorry, all, all this huge amount of sexuality throughout the movie yes. just got me going. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, I mean, right got after it. he bites that dude's nose, it's just sexual comment after sexual comment. Where he literally I like is her void. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah. Okay, I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, okay, penguin. <laughs> yeah, he he's full of it, man. He's fixing to be. So, I love. It. Yeah, he makes a bunch of sexual <laughs> comments, and yeah. then he proposed. No, Dan, because I didn't hear you. <laughs> I said I she's fixing to be. So he's full of us. She's fixing to be. Look at this. I just thought you were ignoring me. Like we got a guest. I can't sink to his level this week. <laughs> just listen, Dan. It doesn't matter. I try. We, we got to do whether or not we have a guest or not. We got to go w with the way we always go. You know. I was trying. Listen, to be, like, I listen. Polite. I listen to this man's show every week or whatever he puts out a new episode. I know what they talk about on their shows. <laughs> so I don't. But you know, you got to know they know what they're coming into. I mean, he might have not known what he was coming into, but. I always, I always do I always do a little bit of research no matter what whether I listen to a show on my own or not but the one thing is I'm never shocked or surprised with anything on any show I go on because 
it's their show and I'm just there to have fun with them. And honestly, I could give a fuck. You could tell me I'm fucking wrong and I'm stupid <laughs> for what I think. And I'm still going to have fun with you guys. So it doesn't matter yeah. to me at all. <laughs> That's how it's, it's all about. No. You're wrong. Just, I live with it every day. So just bring up, the, just bring up, the, nothing... just bring up the gif of Donald Trump just saying wrong <laughs> no, every yeah. time. God. Nothing surprises me anymore. God. So the penguin proposes global cooling, which is great. Sure. Go ahead, penguin. That's a very dirty dog. And I'm talking about the little poodle or whatever the hell that dog was that was playing the bombs all over Gotham Square. I know. I was like, how does he deliver this package? Does that like a custom like pull like detonation system? Because like, I don't think that dog's pulling that pin out. I mean, between you and me, I don't know. But anyway, it's <laughs> So the circus gang is back and Batman is there to stop them like immediately. And he kills quite a few of them. I love it. Where Spicism. He, yeah, he takes the the dynamite off of the one guy and then he runs into the giant guy and he's he punches him and he does the quick turn on like, ah, that didn't affect me. But then he looks down and it's attached to him in the best look of the entire movie and probably of the entire Batman franchise is that grin that Michael Keaton. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm about to kill you. <laughs> and he just tosses Rip. him into a hole and he blows up. Yes. This is so can, good. Can you believe that some people, some fans, try to argue that we, since we didn't see the strong man get killed, that he's still alive? I'm like, he had dynamite strapped to his chest. <laughs> that man is dead. There you is mean no like, way out. I'm sure... I'm sure there's people that tried to argue when Batman drove into, you know, Axis Chemicals and leveled the fucking place with dudes standing next to him that they all made it out alive, too, I'm sure. That's that, that's a really good point, not to get off on a tangent, but people don't really think about that, that he literally sent the Batmobile in to bomb an entire factory building full of people. Mm-hmm. And Kill chemicals. Mass murder. Yeah. Also, you could have killed a lot of <laughs> civilians because it's a chemical plant. No. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's Batman. They're all fine. They just came out there. They're all dusty. Yeah. The hell just they just needed to go home and take a shower. <laughs> uh, we have Selena Kyle breaking into the Shrek's department store. And I love that she goes through and she whips all of the mannequin heads. That's actually Michelle Pfeiffer mm-hmm. doing that. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Good on her. Good on her. And the fact she that did she did one thing, yeah, yeah, yep, really. The Damn. fact that she was able to do a lot of the things she does in this film, which I know that when she does flips and stuff, it's it's most likely a stunt person, but they had to vacuum seal her into her suit, like she would put it on. That's why they went through so many suits because when it came time for her to take it off, they just ripped it off her. There was no not, zippers or anything. Not surprising. Yeah, not surprising. I just Batman, imagine it's like. Batman, they actually installed a zipper on the suit because the the suit from the 89 film was just it was hard to to get in and out of. Yeah. So they made it easier for him. I, I just assume that like what Michelle Pfeiffer, whatever her suit was like, you know, those packages you get from the mail where they've got the pull tab to open them. It's just like and it just like <laughs> just falls off. Yeah, done. We got more in the back. You're fine. She's got so many stitches. Yeah. You just pull, you just pull one and you just all go. She, she I, runs I, I into the like, she runs like into the guards. Bear. Yeah. <laughs> she runs into the guards who take home. They're only the take home is less than 300. I'm like, damn, even in 1992, like that's no is that thanks. A week? Is that two weeks? And make that in like two hours. Like that's, that's why that would be $150 an hour. 
No. <laughs> well, we're apparently in the wrong field. Like, what yeah. are you going to do there? You, have, you don't know what house I live in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is just my West Wing. Right, Parker? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I work in a basement. So, they, yeah, she whips the guns out of the guards' hands, and she's got the lines where it says pistols for privates. And she then sets up a homemade bomb where she sets all the, the spray cans in the in the microwave, cranks up the, the, the I I don't think I ever owned one of those type of microwaves. That's a microwave, right? And it was like it one worked. of those ones where you just like is it had a timer? Like yeah, yeah. We like had a one. toaster oven. I just knew of a toaster. I never had a microwave that did that. I mean, remember up. here, remember how old you were when this that's, movie came out. Very true, very true. Us, us, us people that had to live in the olden days had to turn a fucking dial to well, yeah. cook food, okay? Yeah. We, we didn't have buttons. We understand, Parker. You had your wait staff on the other end of your estate, and you yes. didn't have to mess You're with right. microwaves. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Batman runs into Oswald, and Selena joins with a big old boom. He, you know, Catwoman then escapes after the explosion happens, and Penguin said, I saw her first. And his umbrella yep. turns into a heli- little helicopter and he flies up. The thing of it is, is like he goes, I saw her first. His thing turns into a helicopter and then he never encounters Catwoman in the scene because Batman encounters her and they have their fight. I'm like, did they did something? Did they cut something here? Was Penguin supposed to like run into her on a rooftop? That's the whole point of him going up in the helicopter umbrella. I th- I, I, I took it as him just escaping. Oh, okay. when he says got when he says. I think it's just a reference like she's mine, but I'm fucking out of here because you're about okay. to beat my ass. Yeah. yeah. So it's got to fly and he's out. <laughs> this scene is. Jimmy is Neutron? It, <laughs> <laughs> it's going, such an epic scene because it's the first time you see all three of them together in one scene. And it's, it's yep. like you said, it's such an epic scene with her doing, they're just standing there and they're both astounded by this beautiful creature that she is. Yep. yep. And she's flipping towards them stops meow. And then the whole yep. building blows up and the element of surprises is, is, is so strong in this scene. I love this scene so much. So then of course we get the first fight between Batman and Catwoman. Which is fantastic. I think in terms of the fight stuff, I think the stuff between them here is is probably one of the better scenes, even though it's very quick and brief. Yeah. I really just have always enjoyed that scene with them. And he throws napalm at her. Like, what the fuck? Batman's a hard ass. Batman is just like no joke. I'm throwing the shit that could potentially kill you. I mean, he yeah. does say he's sorry though. He does he does apologize for hitting her, but yeah, that's true. You, I'm a, but I'm a woman. He's like, oh, sorry. And he's like, beats his ass. Like, he forgets he's Batman. He's used to beating the shit out of everybody. He's an equal opportunity beater. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Now, he's, yeah. <laughs> so hey, equal equal rights means equal fights. Remember that, dude. But the funniest thing was was the fact that she he feels he feels <laughs> who me. <laughs> Yes, you keep going, keep going, keep going. He fills up her his suit, or she fills up his suit to see where the vulnerable spot is, and then stabs her or stabs him. Oh Jesus yeah, Christ. yeah. English is hard. Yes. I just like man, man, What are you Carry doing? On. Do you not realize what's happening right now? And is then, the sexual yeah. tension getting to you too, Parker? <laughs> no, I have three kids. I've I'm good. No, I didn't ask if you knew how to like evacuate the situation. <laughs> I was just talking. <laughs> Oh, it's so hot. 
Fucking hell! Go oh ahead. So back. So Batman throws a napalm like pellet or something at her. It burns her arm. She falls off. He tries to catch her and hold on, and she gets dropped into a thing of kitty litter, which was very ironic for yeah, this situation. Yeah, and she even kitty states litter. it. Yeah, I bet that had to suck getting inside her suit. Yep, that had oh, to be definitely. Little... Like I that said, had they had the vacuum sealing day right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> So Oswald is like we we've talked about many times. Uh, he's a very sexually frustrated individual because Catwoman shows up at his little apartment or his little loft, and she's laying on the bed all seductive, and he makes some comments to her, and she proposes setting Batman up, like framing him for something. So uh, he's kind of out of the equation. So the the police will focus on him, and they can do whatever they need to do. And she takes the bird out of the bird cage and puts it in her mouth. She actually did that. She actually put that bird in her mouth. She got a big mouth. The bird was willing to play along with all this. <laughs> it probably wasn't. I mean, if you're talking about like, you know, they're they're bitching about the penguins with the rockets, the fake rockets strapped on their back. How about the woman who put a live bird in her mouth? Numerous times too. That wasn't one take. She did it over and over again so they could get it right where the bird flew right out of her mouth towards where the camera was set up. Right. Imagine having to do that so many times, but that was not even a Burton idea. That was Michelle that came up with that idea to have the bird and then put it into her mouth and have it fly out. And then they're like, we need to do a lot more shots. And she's like, why did I come up with this idea? This is awful. (laughs) I got to keep putting this bird in my mouth. Uh, Bruce runs into Selena. She, he runs into Selena, not Catwoman. And he asks her to dinner because, again, he's known her for three seconds and he wants to go out with her and hang out with her. Okay, Bruce. I mean, you think it's probably been a long time since he got laid by Vicky. She's been gone for a while. It's That's been a true. couple of years. That's so. true. Yeah. He doesn't get out much. Penguin runs or he runs into the tree lighting girl where oh, Miss, yeah. Miss Gotham or whatever the heck she's considered and knocks her out, kills her. Well, he knocks her out. Initially, you're like, did he kill her? Did he throw a batarang at her head? Like, He throws that at her and kidnaps her. Uh, Bruce and Selena are back at the Wayne, at Wayne Manor, and they talk about a lot about duality, about kind of yeah. having, you know, how, to, how it would be living kind of two different lives because they each are living two different lives. We get our Vicky talk where he talks about Vicky Vale for a little bit. And that's pretty much the gist of all of, of anything related to the prior film, even though it doesn't really talk about anything else. It just talks like, yep, we, um, we just couldn't make it work. She, he talks about how she was a photojournalist and that's about it. Yeah. He kept it brief as Justin was saying, that was kind of the idea. So that kind of makes sense. Keep it vague. Yeah. Just just so the audience knows, Hey, we're acknowledging this is in a somewhat continuation, but you know, it's still not direct kind of thing. Like you don't know how long it's been. We know how many years it was, but in between the movies, but we don't know how far along he is in his career as Batman. Like, is this two years? Is this five years? You know, how long has he had blue balls for? Has he not gotten laid in that many years? <laughs> you got to question these things when you watch um, Batman movies. Yeah, that's that's a very valid point. Hey, you're a woman. You want to go out with me? <laughs> that's pretty much Bruce Wayne. Yeah, as oh, he's absolutely. walking down the streets of Gotham. They make out, uh, but have to stop because they both almost discover each other's injuries. You know, Bruce yes, has got the yes. 
the stab wound in his stomach and she's got the napalm um, like bubbled skin on her shoulder. So they stop what they're doing. And Alfred is great at covering for people. <laughs> I think that's that's just a fantastic scene where he just covers for both of them. It's so good. Yeah. Like, I got to go tell her I'm going to be out of town. It's always I'm going to be out of town on business. That's Bruce's yeah. excuse every time. I just love it that in this one, Alfred doesn't like throw him under the bus because in the prior film, he tells Vicky he's going to be out of town on business. And then she runs an Alfred. She's <laughs> like, all right, I'll see you when you guys get back. And he's like, where are we going? <laughs> yeah, we're going to be here for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. The look on Michael Goff's face is Alfred in this scene. His eyes go wide. His eyebrows go up. He's just like, it, it's, it's, it's a small bit of comic relief, if you will. Yeah. These scenes. Because they're both doing the same thing. They're both like rushing to leave. And the next scene is definitely by far one of my favorites of the movie. Batman is going through his bat cave and his billion dollar bat cave grabbing his billion dollar bat suit while Catwoman's driving to Gotham with her, her cowl in her mouth and she's trying to get her suit on in her little car. Just a really fun juxtaposition between the two characters and the scenes there with that. Yeah. I do I, I the the imagery between those was great. So yeah, so Batman goes to uh downtown cuz he hears about the uh, the girl that was kidnapped. Uh the Batmobile's uh, security gets overridden as the circus group messes with it. I love how it like encloses and then you just press a button and it you know opens yeah. back up. Catwoman and Batman square off as Batman tries to rescue the pr- she's called the Princess, Ice Princess, yeah. The Ice Princess. She can do more than just light trees, too. She's an actress. Yes. Allegedly. I'm sure she could do a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she could. For the right people. She takes her to the roof where Oswald uses bats to knock her off. Because, of course, if there's bats involved with anything, it's Batman's fault. So the bats come out. They knock her off the roof. She falls onto the button that lights up the tree, which then releases a bunch of other bats. And so it's, of course, it's Batman did it. He's up there. Hey, you stop. That's again. That's where (laughs) Commissioner Gordon again points at Batman, tells him to stay right there and expects him to stay right there. So it's going to have the the first. He didn't learn the first time. That's all I got to say. Got to have the obligatory Batman gets turned on by the police scene. Yes. It's a staple. So Batman and Catwoman, they see each other again. They have a little talk and. Batman uses the a weird bat-shaped paraglider to escape, which I don't know if it was supposed to obviously be a paraglider that he jumps off the I don't know if they were supposed to make it look like his cape. Do you know anything about that, Justin? Was it supposed to look like was it supposed to be his cape or what did he literally have a paraglider? Like was it th- that No, it's the cape. Okay. Yeah, cuz when he when he goes like this, it's I I've I've read um and I've seen the actual glider in real life at Warner Brothers. It's a huge like just it's a it's a glider. But it was their way of trying to do it semi unrealistically when he puts his arms out. Like the, the cape is supposed to have like a skeleton in it, uh. so it, it comes out when he he pushes something. You don't actually see that. In reality, it's just a cool image, and they were like, "Fuck it, let's have him have huge wings and jump off the building." Yeah, and definitely you could tell when it's in high def. It's 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 a glider. It's like he's holding onto the handles and and going down. Yeah, there's like there's there's a practical shot of the stunt guy with the suit. There's actually a miniature 
when it's flying through and there's also a cgi version when it, he's flying through gotham square so it, yeah. it's crazy that a movie would use three different mediums in order to make one scene work where today it would literally just be green screen cgi and it would be the end of it but here they had to use yeah. everything available to them so you're getting three different versions of this in one scene which is great right. i i love though that batman's you know what he does after all the bats get released and everything is i'm gonna fly around everything to make myself look more guilty instead of <laughs> yeah, finding of a way to get out of it he flies around the area with all the bats flying around to make himself look more guilty and then leaves Deuces. <laughs> so catwoman and penguin they meet up again and catwoman doesn't uh, want anything to do with penguin because he proposes to her and yeah. she's like, I wouldn't touch you to scratch you. Come on, and he's like, here, you led me on. And he's just pissed because he thought he was going to get her out of the whole thing. Was he wrong? And he, he kills then, her. <laughs> yeah. He then attaches her to an umbrella, sends it up and says, go to heaven, which I thought was a great line. Batman takes a ride in his penguin controlled Batmobile. God damn. Is it the, one of the best seeds of watching penguin and his little tiny Batmobile? Oh, yeah. Just riding around. It's one of those things you, you used to ride at the mall when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I swear this exact Batmobile was in my mall. <laughs> it probably was <laughs> just so funny. I just love where he's getting mad. Cause he's, he finally gets control back of the Batmobile. And he's just so angry. He's just bouncing up and down. The whole Winnebago's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Another oh. sexual innuendo. Absolutely. Gotta have them. It's all about. Got kids. Kids will never understand. So Batman, once he gets control of the Batmobile, he's got to get out of there because the cops are chasing him. And so he just gets the control back to the Batmobile, and then he's got to break it all down so it can fit between this really narrow space between the two buildings which it just is hilarious to see. Yeah. He's just through the, through the center there. <laughs> Why not? So yeah. So Gotham, they want Oswald as their mayor. He comes up, he makes an epic speech, but then Batman and Alfred, they mess with and they have a, uh, they recorded some of the things that the penguin said. They constantly played over the loudspeakers, which then turns the crowd against the penguin and they throw vegetables at him. And Danny DeVito told him that he wanted to be in the shot. Like he didn't, they didn't have somebody come in when he was getting stuff pelted at him. He literally was in that shot getting pelted by lettuce and tomatoes and all that. So imagine that showing up to a, a political rally like that. And that many people coming prepared with <laughs> tomatoes and lettuce are they all about to miss a sandwich or something? I mean, <laughs> apparently, is there like a like a salad cart nearby? Like, <laughs> no, fresh my, salads. Yeah, my thing is like, hey, honey, maybe we should stop at the uh, at the stand before we go to the penguin rally there, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, just exactly. in case. Imagine if it was stupid. apples instead. Imagine oh, getting pelted no. with apples. Well, doesn't he Fuck say tomatoes, something about man. eggs, eggs and tomatoes? He's like, why does it always? They say, why did? Who brings eggs to a rally? I think he says something like that. Those are not those. Those don't break as easily as you might think. No, <laughs> kind of hurt. Oh, I, I know. On you. Yeah, this was the moment. Like this scene here is the one part in the scene where I feel like it really starts. Like this is what inspired. Who did the movies after these? I can't remember. You told Joel you Schumacher. Yeah, Schumacher. 
I feel like his inspiration for like his movies is like a bunch of shit at the end of these movies. Like he's got the sound file playing and like Bruce Wayne just happens to want to like scratch it. Like why? <laughs> why? Why? Doesn't make any sense in the scene whatsoever. And I was like, I, I know it's a tongue in cheek thing. Like it's supposed to be funny, I guess. But I was like, why is he doing that? You you just want to make a he's you're ready for Bruce sure to drop a, a drop a beat or something. I, I was waiting for it. I, I love Bruce Wayne's location for the button to get into the Batcave. It's in the fish tank in the in the castle. You're like, okay. I I mean I wouldn't check there. I mean he I mean he's probably got buttons everywhere in the mansion. I mean I remember Absolutely. there was one of them where he's got keys on his piano, like a certain sequence of the keys, and it would open up. Um, the room. I, I love though that he he goes into the Batcave through through an Iron Maiden, which is yes. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Which cool. which I believe I, is I the same slide. exact Iron Maiden that is used in Sleepy Hollow. It's like the same in design. Hmm. I'll have to keep an eye on it when we do that movie. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a Tim Burton movie, so I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, we get more Vicky Vale talk because we have Alfred talking about. He was talking about Vicky, and he's like, "Well, I didn't tell her I was Batman. I just was working. I turned around, and she was there." <laughs> Thanks, Alfred. Up. Yeah, I know, right? So much for security. Alfred just wants him to be... He wants him to fall in love. That was a, a Daniel Waters thing because when the first movie came out, so many fans shit all over the fact that Alfred let Vicky into the Batcave and he himself hated that choice. It wasn't even Sam Hamm that wrote that, actually. It was Warren Scarin, like on the set because there was a strike with the writers at the time. So... In this movie, Waters wanted to poke fun at that, so he wrote that line in there to kind of make fun of it a little bit. That's funny. that makes sense. Bruce displays some recordings of the Penguin. We talked about that about to pretty much to turn them on him. So the Penguin runs out of there. He dives into, or he he runs through the snowy park, which the Penguin's got some. Like he moves like he's running, and then he just dives off the bridge that he was dumped over as a baby, and then ends up on his little duck boat. Going back Duck to his way. Yeah. So now he has a new plan, which you don't know the entire through the entire movie that his plan is he's going to steal all the firstborns of Gotham and kill him because if they can't accept him and he can't do what he wants, then fuck all the rich people. Pretty much. Yep. Classic revenge. Mm -hmm. So it, and you don't talk back to the penguin. You got the one like the bigger guy who's just like, isn't that just a little too far? And he just whips out the the gun and shoots him, and he blasts him and kicks him into the uh, into the water. But I love it where he uh, somebody calls him Oswald, and he's like, "I'm not Oswald Cobblepot anymore. I'm an animal." Or he said, "I'm not a human. Or I'm not a person. I'm an animal." As he rips off his his nice uh, suit and he goes down to his attire that he's in for the rest of this movie, which is just his his awesome onesie. He looks like a weeble wobble. Remember those weeble wobble toys? Yes. <laughs> Just that's what the penguin is. He's a weeble wobble. So now we have a we're at a masquerade party and Bruce and Selena reunite and dance, which is actually a scene that they use in a later Batman movie. It's like the same scene between the same two characters, but I won't name what movie it is for people who haven't seen it yet. This the thing of it is it's pretty funny to think about sidetrack is that this movie is Batman, Penguin, and Catwoman, and the new The Batman is the same thing. It's kind of like they... 
I mean, I don't know what the story is of the Batman, but it's funny that we got those same three characters back together again. It you know, is, with it of is. course the Riddlers there too, which oh god, I can't wait to talk about that movie. Um, so yeah, so they there's a lot of um a lot of sexual tension tension between them. Uh, Selena has brought a gun to kill Max because she is seeking revenge on him. Uh, Bruce and Selena figure out who each other are. So it was the the kiss line when they were under the, the mistletoe. Yes, yeah. and that's when they look at each other like, "Oh shit, you're this person and you're this person." Does this mean we have to f- start fighting? Yes, great line. But then the penguin crashes the party and tries to take Max's son down. Uh, what's his son's name? Chip. Chip. So he tries to take, of course, what a name. He tries to take Chip with him. But of course, Max stands. He's like, no, you want me. I'm the one who made you, you know, who pretty much fucked with you and ruined you. Take me instead. And he's like, and then he was naming all the reasons why he should do it. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. Come on. <laughs> Throws him in the duck boat. The Penguins crew goes around the city, taking all the firstborns. So originally they were going to show these, uh, the, the, the gang taking the kids from their beds, like taking them from their houses. But they, during a screening, they just, it was seemed like it was going to scare the kids too much. So they just showed the kids locked up in the cages or it showed them. Yeah, Cause putting, the cause putting them in cages is, is less scary. <laughs> oh, sure. absolutely. Just takes it <laughs> all away. Taking children against their will, just running out of a building. That's, that's fine guys. We don't, but just don't see them actually taking the children from their beds. That's just too far. We can't have that. Jesus, uh, jeepers! Uh, but Batman changes the plan. He goes, he attacks the caravan there, knocks the the driver out, and everything is is a okay. So the so Penguin finds out that the kids aren't coming, so he goes to Plan B, which is he's going to send all of his penguins with rockets strapped to their backs out to Gotham Square and just set them all off. Which is just a great plan. Remember and I, I love that he's having the, the meeting. He's he's doing the speech in front of the the crowd of penguins yes. in the stands, which is just great. <laughs> like a reference to the old patent speeches. Yep. Batman goes which through is, the oh sorry. Go ahead. I was like, this is what I meant about just the just the kind of being ridiculous, like kind of like I'm assuming where he got inspiration for you know Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. That your your patent speech. Justin at this time was like in our chat was like, okay, Patton. And I didn't get it. And yeah. now I do yeah, yeah. like, oh. it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a fun scene for sure. I mean, I believe me, weaponized penguins are brilliant. Like it's the most <laughs> adorable thing ever. So that's a 66 Batman. You know, like, Oh, y- absolutely. But they stuck to it, man. Like we're going to make this yep. shit happen. Batman goes through the sewer in his cool bat boat as the penguins swarm the city. And right as they're ready to blow, Alfred jams the signal. And of course, we talked about it earlier, but the the monotone woman who's sitting up there commentating yes. everything that's going on. And the I just brutal it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And once the signal gets jammed and everything all everything changes, everyone starts like creeping away, like starts yeah, leaving yeah. the penguin. But her exit is the greatest because it's it's just she's sitting in a chair and someone just pulled her back because she just disappears into the shadows. Oh. She doesn't. <laughs> So yeah, he he flees in the most penguin gets in his duck boat and flees this scene in the most hilarious way, just with the revved up like <laughs> as he's driving up the stairs. <laughs> oh my god. And Batman, of course, he 
is he's got a sensor. I'm guessing he has a sensor on the duck boat because he knows exactly where he needs to exit because that he to crash into his duck boat because he takes that sharp turn up the the line there and then bursts out of the building and lands right on top of the duck boat. Batman uh, turns the penguins on the penguin, but uh, penguin regains the control. So he's sitting there. He threatens to blow it up. Penguin takes out his umbrella sword, starts swinging it around. Batman drops it and penguin picks it up and, and detonates it, which then blows up as I knock shit over and blows up everything around them, which is like, okay, I, I don't, I guess it was just kind of a last-ditch effort for the Penguin since he knows he's pretty much going to lose. He he falls into the lair after Batman sets out some bats. It's kind of similar to how the Penguin kills the Ice Princess. He sets off the bats. He falls into the water. So you're like, oh, well, the Penguin's dead. Yeah, Batman had to round up a whole group of bats and <laughs> shove their asses into the top of the boat for a ride just yes. in the event that he'd need to spray penguin with those bats contingencies <laughs> so good oh, gotta man. come prepared yeah he's batman he's got to have some bats on hand i remember was yes. it was i think it was the 89 one where there's there's a scene where they go into the bat cave and he has one bat in a cage like outside the bat cave I'm like why, yep, why it's is a fruit this? bat too yeah oh, why is this okay <laughs> Matt, uh max escapes uh, but not before Selena catches up to him. Uh, Batman tries to talk her down, uh, even revealing his face. I, I never, I mean, I guess it's for dramatic purposes that he rips the cowl off instead of like, just hey. <laughs> like he probably takes the suit on and off. You just kind of flip it down, but no, it's for dramatic purposes. I understand where he, he actually rips the cowl off of the suit. Yeah, yeah. He seemed a little bit more flexible in this suit compared to the 89 Batman. Like he did, he was still kind of, you know, but he seemed like he could turn his head just a little bit more than in the, the prior film. Yeah, he, he could. It was, it was a thinner material that they used for this suit and it was way tighter to the body, but it was more seamless. Whereas the previous suit was like a latex body with all of the rubber pieces glued on top. Yeah, really difficult to move in. Um, and it was a lot thicker of a substance here. It was a lot thinner, um, a lot easier for movement. What's interesting is I just found this out recently. I never knew this was that um, the cowl builder for the movie actually a request to make the neck thinner so he could move, turn his head better when they saw it. It just lost that effect of that thick silhouette. So they just put it back to being a thick neck. So they, you know, form over function, I guess, yeah. here again. But he can, he still does the bat turn to, to get around, but the suit is a little bit more flexible. Yeah. I, I just, I've always was like, you're Batman. You are a guy who's supposed to fight crime. You're supposed to beat up bad guys. There's no way it's, it's logical that he can fight like that. Like, where he has to turn his entire body to face the next enemy like he's supposed to be able to be so nimble and all that and they're like let's make it so his cowl is connected to this to the, the rest of the suit and he can't move his neck the, the only hard part about what we've got in the later movies making the cowl separate from the neck is that yeah. it looks really stupid um like the dark knight i mean i i really actually do like pattinson's suit now even though i hated it initially seeing it in the movie yeah. i really fell in love with it yeah. but with dawn of justice 
they mastered it because it still looks big and thick, but he can actually turn his head all the way around in that movie. So it, it goes to show that now we don't have to have the bat turn. Just as a fan, love the shit out of it. Yeah. In terms of practicality, <laughs> yeah. it makes oh, yeah. no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Expand your disbelief. So, yeah, he reveals his face. Max is very confused. Uh, where he's like, Bruce Wayne, why are you Batman? Why are you dressed as Batman? And then, you know, Selena turns around because he is Batman, you moron. And then he says, was Batman and shoots him in a very dramatic way. Like, ah. You think at that close range, he'd be able to actually shoot him in the face and he'd be dead. Yeah. Oh, he just nicks him and he yep. falls over. <laughs> Selena gets shot a couple times because she has nine lives. So she that's why she's able to take these shots and not die. But I love how she counts down her lives as, as every time she gets shot. And Except when she gets shot in the shoulder, which wouldn't kill her. And that's beside the point. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> it was just the placement. I, I, I was like, just we like, can't reshoot like, that. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, I get it. I know what they're going for because she gets like hit. And so I was like, ah, like, yeah, if she was left a long time, she'd probably bleed out. But that one shot is not going to kill her right away. But I, I know what they were doing with it. I understand the effect. It's okay, Dan. We we understand. <laughs> Selena then uses the taser because the taser's got to come back around. Oh, as... yeah, which is nice. They they remembered it. Yep. Full and circle. Yep. Full circle. She gives Max one final kiss, which she grabs the the electrical line and kisses him with the taser, electrocutes him, and once Batman gets up, he goes over. He is looking for selena she's not there but he notices the really gnarly corpse of max shrek which i think mm. they just took uh the dummy from the last movie and just put it in its place and just dressed him up like yeah. max shrek it was like there you go guys we didn't even have to build a new one <laughs> there are some eyeballs in there yeah. add some there white you. hair put a little wig on him there he is there you go perfect there you go we got it guys mission accomplished Penguin emerges and attempts to kill Batman, but in his attempt, he chooses the wrong umbrella, which is the the umbrella that has the what what is that called? I have kids. Oh, I don't even remember. Little mobile. They're little Mo ducky. Yeah, the ducky little mobile. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, picked the wrong one. He's like, I'm I just need a glass of cold ice water. And then just collapse. And then the very, very large mechanical. Her <laughs> penguins come out and don't even it's just funny that they couldn't even get the flippers to get close to Danny DeVito's body to look like they're actually dragging him to the water it's just that scene is actually guys in suits that's really little people in suits yeah that scene oh my you can God. tell that they're their their flippers or whatever you know their wings whatever you want to call them yeah. they're not touching him at all they're no. just like it's just being dragged by something else it's so good oh lord so bruce so we then cut to bruce and alfred driving and bruce believes he sees catwoman but only finds miss kitty and the final bat signal pops up into the sky as catwoman we then see catwoman look up and look towards the uh the bat symbol which um that shot was shot later that was after the movie was done they had to they shot that later it cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars for that one shot. And it wasn't even Michelle Pfeiffer. It really? was just a stand in wearing the suit. Yeah, Damn, it was. Right. They, they were like, we needed something a little bit more dramatic for this final shot. And that's 
what they did. And that is it. That is the plot of Batman Returns. (laughs) We've never seen the actual original ending anywhere. They've never actually released it as a deleted feature or anything like that. Really? Really? So it's it's interesting. I, I don't know how else they would have ended the movie. Rather than, you know, it's an homage to the first movie. Or Tim wanted, he's well, the first movie we had Batman in front of the signal. In this movie, he was obviously more fascinated with the Catwoman character than any of the other characters in the piece. Hence why he, you know, created this idea to do a whole separate movie all about Catwoman that almost got made. Yep. Um, that's why he wanted her to pop up at the end. But hmm. yep, never happened. Yeah, the whole story behind that was like, originally it was she got amnesia after the ending of this movie and it's kind of just like her adventures you know traveling from like different cities trying to figure herself out again and then we got the Halle Berry or the Holly however you say her name Halle Berry movie which didn't does not need to exist at all it's terrible well that it is that is it Batman Returns a fun watch as I do I watch this movie at least once a year maybe more Depends on my mood. Uh, it's a great watch. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for being here. Uh, yes, thank you, sir. It was great to, oh, to have anytime. that extra insight. Yeah, it was a blast. I love talking about this movie, and I love just chilling and bullshitting about movies, no matter what they are. Whether they're good, bad, ones I love, ones I hate, I'm always down to talk movies. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You are welcome back anytime. We're talking about Batman for the next what like six seven weeks so you know if you ever want to come back talk more batman just just uh let me know and we will get you back justin where can people find you and what have you been what are you working on where can people find you lay it all on us yeah so uh the epic film guys we've been a podcast i think it's this year we're hitting our seven year anniversary you can find us everywhere on every podcast platform we're on twitter instagram and facebook at epic film guys we also have some more Batman-related content coming soon, but then we are back to our traditional guts and gore and all that good stuff with our brain stew segments, which is all horror-centric. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I'm pretty sure we have a review of Ty West's X coming up in a few weeks, among many other surprises. So can't wait for you guys to check that shit out. And if you like what you're hearing, hey, come check us out. Yes, definitely. All of the, the links... Uh, to uh, the cha- to Epic Film Guys and Brain Stew and all that. That'll be down in the description. Uh, so you guys can go down there, click on click on all the links. Um, are you guys are you going to be reviewing Fresh? Well, actually, we're not going to be doing that a full episode on it. My writer Brady did write a review, which I was supposed to publish today. So bad boy, I'm Batman <laughs> out. I'll probably be publishing it tomorrow. But uh, with our schedule. It's going to be hard to fit in. I would love to review it because I'll tell you right now, I really enjoyed it. We all really had a lot to say about it. We'll see. Maybe it'll be a patron only segment right now. I'm having a hard time juggling everything else going on. So time will tell. I, I get that 100%. We haven't even started a Patreon yet because it's just like, ah, we don't have enough time for what we're doing. But it's a lot of work. Yeah. So make sure that you like, comment, subscribe on the video. Make sure you follow us on all of the podcast services, whatever podcast services you listen to. Rate us wherever you can. Write a review. Um, yeah. Uh, next week, we are talking about Batman Forever from 1995, the where the, the franchise veers in a completely different direction 
and we get a new Batman. Other than that, we got a, as you're hearing, when you hear this episode, our Fresh Cuts uh, episode on Uncharted will be out, and our throwback episode, our video debut of our Resident Evil episode from back in June will be up uh, on Wednesday, or the Wednesday, you know, as you're hearing this. So make sure to check all those videos out. And until next time, I am your host, Brett Parker. That is DNA Gaming down there, consisting of Dan and Angela. And that is Justin from Epic Film Guys. This has been the Dissect That Film Podcast number 45. We'll see you all next time. Watch Earth Work 3. Baby, burn. (laughs) 